Welcome to the Almighty's Dollar Podcast with Daniel Watts, the director of the EGM Institute. Welcome to the Almighty's Dollar Podcast. During the years of teaching these biblical principles on Christian fundraising and giving, the story of Ananias and Sapphira has come up more than any other giving passage in the Bible. This week, we'll conclude our look at this controversial and very interesting passage. Last week, we noted the difficulties in understanding what happened in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. We noted the parallels to Achan's sin in uh, Joshua chapter 7 and concluded that there's something going on in addition to the obvious issue of lying. Members of the growing group of passionate Jesus followers, Ananias and Sapphira, were apparently also people of means. After all, they owned a piece of property. They sold the property in order to do what others had done, share with fellow believers, share the money that they had gotten from the land. But Ananias and Sapphira kept back a portion of the sale price, and the Greek verb describing their action is one of the keys to unlocking the passage. The verb is also used in Titus when Paul admonished slaves not to pilfer or steal from their masters. It reads, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. That's in Titus 2, 9 and 10. A Christian slave would indeed be a bad witness to the gospel if he stole money from the pastor, the master, excuse me. The parallel is clear. Ananias was, in fact, stealing money. He was taking back something that belonged to God. Yet this explanation only makes sense if the entire amount of the land sale was intended to be a gift. But it's not clear what kept back means here in Acts 5.2. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira had made some kind of contractual commitment to the apostles, or maybe all the believers had made a public and corporate commitment to give to the community all the funds from a sale of land. It's also possible that Ananias and Sapphira had made the commitment in their hearts, but after receiving the cash, they decided to renege on that commitment and in some sense, steal a portion of the money from the sale. We don't know much, we don't know how much they kept back. We do know Sapphira was in on the plan Ananias and Sapphira laid at the apostles' feet the funds from the sale, minus the amount they decided to keep back for themselves. It seems clear that Ananias and Sapphira wanted to appear that they had given the full amount of the sale price. Peter first spoke to Ananias alone. The rebuke seems heavy-handed, but apparently Luke wasn't concerned. He was much more focused on reporting the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. The lie would never have been detected had it not been for the Spirit's intervention. Peter said, I quote, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think doing of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. He says in Acts 5, 3 through 4. 
The result of Ananias' lie was dramatic and troubling. He fell dead, not at the hands of Peter, but as a result of his own deceitful actions. Not addressing the agent of death, Luke was more concerned about the community. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. It reads in Acts 5, 5 and 6. For whatever reason, Sapphira did not learn about her husband's death. While her unawareness is troubling and unexplained by Luke, what matters more is that Sapphira had the opportunity to be honest, but instead continued the lie. It reads, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. It's in Acts 5, 7-11. This passage is high-order drama. In fact, it almost leads like, reads like a movie script. But before getting swept up in that idea, let me suggest two points that are essential to our understanding why Luke included the account of Ananias and Sapphira. First, Luke compares Ananias and Sapphira to Barnabas. Unfortunately, the paragraph break in our Bibles interrupts the story, but it seems clear that the bit about Barnabas at the end of Acts 4 is an essential part of the Ananias and Sapphira story and should not have been separated from it. It reads, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there in them, all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Acts 4, 33-37. Barnabas sold a piece of property and took the proceeds of the sale to the apostles to meet the needs of the church. Luke presented Barnabas' action as an act of righteousness an act that set the tone for the dramatic and infamous scene we're looking at at Acts 5 today. To contrast Barnabas' actions, Acts 4.37, with that of Ananias and Sapphira, Luke used nearly the exact same phrasing at the end of Acts 4.37 and Acts 5.2, where it reads, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet in 4.37 but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet, Acts 5.2. Barnabas' act of generosity stands in sharp contrast to Ananias and Sapphira's act. The difference explains Peter's response to Ananias' offering. Peter was speaking to a much more serious concern. In addition to lying and embezzling money, 
the couple had acted in a very hypocritical fashion, attempting to portray themselves as sacrificially bringing the full value of their property sale to the apostles just as Barnabas had done. As the bulleted items below indicate, that I'm going to read following, this contrast between Barnabas' gifts and Ananias and Sapphira's gifts brings into focus several important truths found in Peter's discussion. First, Satan would like to cause us to live in deceit, and he uses money, its power, and its false promises as a tool in verse 3. Second, we can't deceive God about what we do out of the sight of others with our wealth, verse 4. What we do with our wealth and money is a barometer of our heart, in verse 3. And hypocrisy within a Christian community causes breakdown in that community. The stealing of money and lying are sinful acts, but the effort to appear godly while acting deceitfully greatly troubled God and his apostle Peter in verses 5 and 11. In addition to making a comparison between Barnabas and the hypocritical couple, Luke focused on the effect of the incident on the community. His fellow Christians responded with amazement and fear, a response suggesting that the Holy Spirit was interested in more than merely punishing Ananias and Sapphira or strengthening Peter's leadership. Instead, the Holy Spirit did this amazing and fearsome deed for the community of faith, for the church. In fact, the first time the word church appears in Acts is in Acts 5.11, when great fear seized the whole church. And I'm sure it's not coincidental that the word church was used here first. The effects of Ananias and Sapphira's behavior would apparently be a threat to the life of the church, thereby justifying God's strong response. Simply put, the deceit, lying, false piety, and hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira were dangerous to the health of the church, especially in the first century when the church was being birthed. The church was God's primary means of delivering good news to the surrounding world. The lying, false piety, and deception prompted by the desire for money were together a serious threat to the church's mission. And Christ followers today should take pause before that truth. While efforts to dismiss the story continue in some quarters, let me suggest three points we can take away from the passage. Giving is not an action for public consumption, designed to give oneself status in the community as a philanthropic per- per- person. Ananias and Sapphira tried to make it look like they were giving more than they were. Second, giving is a matter of the heart, and you can't hide from God what's in your heart. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal your heart to one or more of God's people, just as he did for Peter. And remember, too, that God knows when we're holding back our heart from him. Third, God does not like hypocrisy, and one reason is that it undermines church community in very significant ways. The people of God are not well served by members of the community hoarding material wealth while trying to look like gracious and sacrificial givers. When we're on the road less traveled, we remember that when we give to the church, we're giving a gift to God. We aren't investing in our church, we're giving to God. With our giving, we're joining God's work in the world through our church. 
Our giving is to draw attention to Jesus Christ, not to our generosity. Yet, our generosity, like Barnabas's, can be a testimony and witness to Christ's work in our life. Ananias and Sapphira, however, were not giving financially to the early church, hoping to see a good kingdom return. If that were the case, changing the amount of their investment would have been perfectly fine. These Acts 5 givers wanted to create a false impression of their generosity. We can't hide from God the condition of our heart. And the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira indicate how seriously God takes our giving and our sincerity. The Road Less Traveled focuses on the giver's transformed heart, not on the amount of the gift. In light of that truth, I'm praying that pastors and Christian leaders seize the opportunity to teach the important role of a transformed heart and how it informs our giving. Giving isn't done for show or to look good in front of our peers. Our giving is to be an expression of our love for God, an expression of our love overflowing from a heart He's transformed. Thanks for joining us for this week's Almighty's Dollar Podcast. If you'd like to share our podcast with a friend or a colleague, we invite you to do that. We'd love for you to check out more about our ministry at www.egminstitute.org. And I look forward to being with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Our next Almighty's Dollar Podcast will be the same time next week. To learn more about giving and fundraising, check out the EGM Institute website at www.egminstitute.org.